Hello fellow adventurers and welcome back to another episode of The Nerd Lab, where we transform our gaming passion into incredible game designs and learn how to nerd like a boss. My name is Marvin and I am an ambitious game designer on my quest to develop a cooperative fantasy card game. For this podcast, my vision is to take you with me on this exciting journey. Together we will explore the secrets of different game mechanics and reach the next level as a game designer. Today I want to analyze a game that has some similarities with the game I'm currently working on. At its core, the game is about playing cards to to create a higher score value than your opponent. It's also a game about pluffing with the goal to trick your opponent into overcommitting their cards to the board and leaving them with fewer cards um, in hand for subsequent rounds. The game I'm talking about is Quent, the digital card game of the um, Witcher universe. When I first heard about Quent, it was um, yeah, presented to me uh, with the following pitch. In Quent, each player has uh, two lanes, um, a melee and a ranged one, and you can play your cards um, into one of those lanes. And then the player with the most points wins. And that's it, was my reaction. What about combat? What about um, attacking your opponent? When you really play a lot of uh, different strategy card games like I do, this pitch sounds super, super boring at first. There's virtually no combat between the players and I um, I was wondering how to interact with each other in a meaningful way at all. But let me assure you, the game has much more um, to offer than it sounds in the first place. Gwent was initially introduced as as a mini-game within the Witcher 3 PC game. But um, due to its great popularity, um, it was made into a standalone online card game. As far as I know, players even um, created their own um, player versus player version of the Witcher 3 mini-game during that time. because in the game it was only um, possible to play against an AI. Um, and I mean, as a, as a publisher, this is um, the best thing that can happen to you if the players um, invest so much time um, to show you what they want. I mean, they wanted, they wanted um, a standalone version of this game and um, um, they played a lot of the, um, spent a lot of time during the playing Witcher 3 to play the, um, yeah, the Quent card game in the game. Um, so it was, um, yeah, a very easy decision probably for the publisher to, um, yeah, to make a standalone version of it, of the game, because that's what you have to do as a publisher. You have to listen to what your players want. I mean, it was the same with um, with Magic's Commander format, and that was also invented by the players, and now is a extremely popular format, and yeah, I would say a, a cash cow for their supplemental products. Quent released even um, an, another game um, of that genre um, with uh, Thronebreaker, The Witcher Tales, which I think was published last year. Um, and um, yeah, I enjoyed it um, quite a bit. It was a narrative-driven storytelling mode, um, player versus um, AI, of the, of the card game, of the Quent card game. And during that entire time from being a mini-game in Witcher 3 to being um, yeah, a narrative-driven storytelling game, um, the game has undergone major reworks. Um, and um, But one thing really didn't change. 
and that thing is that the game plays nothing like other strategy card games that I know. And yeah, that's pretty much the reason why I wanted to take a closer look at it. I mean, one goal of most game designers um, is to make something completely new, to make something innovative, um, something that is unique. And that's why I wanted to identify what makes Quent special. How did they innovate the genre? And um, yeah, what can we learn from them as, um, as game designers? Let me start by yeah, explaining a little bit how Quent actually works. Um, as I mentioned, Quent is um, a turn-based strategy card game that is played between two players. Um, and each game um, takes three rounds. Each player has a deck of um, yeah, 25 cards, which is yeah, less than most um, strategy card games. And um, each deck belongs of a faction that, as usual, offers uh, different playstyles per faction. Um, each faction also has different leaders who yeah, grant their, um, the players um, different, different um, individual abilities. Before the game starts, each player draws um, 10 cards from their deck, which is quite a lot, um, but they have to use them for all three rounds. Then the players can take um, mulligans. I think they can choose up to three cards at the moment that they want to replace. And then the first round starts. Um, and after the first round, um, the player who um, um, won the first round will start in the next round, which is interesting, by the way. I will talk about that later. Um, and the um, at the beginning of the second round each player then draws uh, two random cards from their deck and um, if a third round is needed each player draws um, just a single additional card from their deck. That means you do not draw a bunch of cards during, um, during a, a game, at least not by the standard rules. And um, that is also a very interesting aspect of the game which I will um, tackle later in this podcast. But let's um, take a look at what a, yeah, what a turn actually means in the game. Um, a single turn consists of, um, yeah, for example, playing one card, um, using a leader ability, or yeah, passing. Um, and passing really means you are done for the um, rest of that um, round, not the turn, for the entire round. Um, and if both players pass, um, the battle ends for this round, um, and the player with the most um, power points on the battlefield wins the game. When playing a card, the players have to decide um, to which row they want to deploy their character. And that can either be the melee row or the ranged row. Each player has two rows. And when you have deployed your characters to the board, they, um, yeah, they accumulate their strengths to your overall um, score. And um, yeah, compared to other collectible or trading card games, the... Um, direct interaction with specific units of the opponent um, is not the central aspect or the core of the gameplay of Quent. Um, it is possible to some degree, some cards target um, cards from your opponent, for example, um, but the focus lies more on yeah, developing your own board um, by trying to combine cards in a smart way um, to gain... yeah. Um, the most power points possible um, or strength points possible um, onto the board for the given round. And the goal of the game really is to win two of three rounds by playing cards and spells 
um, yeah, and to gain more power than your opponent on the board for that round. Um, a round, as mentioned, lasts only as long as um, players decide um, to play cards. Yeah, once once um, the players um, passed, um, the turn ends and the score is um, calculated. Yeah, and, and until then they take turns by playing um, yeah any single card from their hand um, step by step. And yeah, the first player who wins two rounds wins uh, wins the entire game. And that is pretty much how yeah how Quent works. Um, some of you might ask themselves, and what is there is there some kind of of resource to, that I need to spend to to play my cards? Um, and the answer is no. There is no mana or any other form of resource um, whatsoever. The number of cards that you have available uh, themselves are the only resource of the game. And I know that the entire concept of the game and um, so that doesn't sound very strategic or very complex or deep, but it is. Um, and that's the funny thing. They got rid of the probably of the entire combat that you are um, that you know from other games um, but still they managed to um, yeah to, to to keep the strategic aspect of strategy card games and um, yeah that's what I really like and that's what I found really innovative of the game the first interesting design choice I want to talk about is that you have to win two out of three rounds with a limited known pool of cards this doesn't sound too innovative does it but the fact that you have to decide how many resources in form of cards you are going to spend in round one before you pass is one of the major decisions you have to make in the game and um, that is true to the fact because you do not reset the game completely um, after each round um, of course you clear the entire board and so um, and you set the, um, the achieved points back to zero, but you keep your hand. And this is the interesting aspect, keeping the hand between the rounds. Because this can lead to some, yeah, very tense dynamic situations. Um, because whoever decides to pass first um, in the first round, um, yeah, he can potentially obtain a valuable card advantage for the future rounds. Um even so, that might mean that he or she is giving up the current round. There's also um, yeah, many more implications of this specific round-based structure because um, whoever loses the first round, for example, is immediately under pressure in the next round. Um, the leading player can you know, use this for, for, um, for his or her advantage um, and try to plead out the opponent. Um, by trying to um, push a little bit more, push a little bit more, push a little bit more, um, so the, the opponent has to play more cards. And um, the goal here really is in this strategy um, that your opponent has only a couple of cards left for the um, uh, for the last round, which would then mean that it is pretty difficult to um, to achieve some kind of multi-card combos or synergies um, that can lead to um, yeah high high uh, scorings at the end so pacing um, is really the core element of the game um, 
you have to um, decide whether you want to hold cards for the next rounds or if you want to um, commit them to the board right now. So the goal is to identify when the yeah the right timing for each card has come. Um, so that is really the core of the of the game and. Um, Sometimes you have to make really hard decisions because you have to um, break cards that work really well together, um, but you have to have to commit one of those cards um, during one round and keep the other one for the next round. And these kind of decisions um, yeah, turned out to be yeah really fun, at least for me, because they are very tactical decisions. Um, and um, all of these tactical decisions are really based on the fact that you have to win multiple rounds with um, with a almost completely known pool of cards that you have to manage. And it is not completely deterministic because there is of course some kind of random factor in there because you draw some at least some cards after the first round um, and I think it's only one card after the second round. When it comes to applying this concept to, to your game designs, um, maybe you can think about um, kind of um, components that you would typically um, wipe out or clear between turns or rounds um, and try to give players um, these resources at the beginning of the game in forms of cards in that case um, and they have to manage the resource for the entire game, game for a longer planning period. I know that there are other games out there that are doing um, the same thing and I think it's really, really smart because it leads to um, yeah, a lot of tactical, tactical depth. But of course, it also increases the, um, yeah, the amount of information that um, people have to process. Um, I mean, having 10 cards in hand is kind of kind of complicated for many people to process. This can, of course, lead to analysis paralysis for some players. But, um, yeah, you need, I think you need to, um, to try and find out um, how much information people can process in your game before, yeah, before it starts to, yeah, to, to track them down a little bit in their decision process. The second interesting design choice that I um, see from uh, in Quent is um, yeah, how they handle areas or lanes in the game. Um, as I mentioned in the beginning, each player has a melee and a ranged um, row um, or lane. And um, by having these two options um, to which you can deploy your characters, you get a lot of um, lot of strategic depth into the game. Um, because you do not only get options to where you can put your characters, you also get some kind of limitation. And you have to handle both as a player. And what I mean by that is that when you play a card, of course, you have the option to play it to either lane one or lane two, the melee or the ranged lane. And um, some of the cards have different effects um, based on which lane you, you play the card to. Or um, so you have some kind of multi-purpose cards um, that, um, that you can use for different situations, which are always like if you can use cards in different situations. Um, and on the other side, you also have some kind of limitation because each lane has only a certain amount of spots available um, to which you can deploy your, um, your heroes um, or your units. And that means maybe you need to um, 
need to keep one spot open in order to play one of your one of the cards um, as a response to what your opponent does and um, that is the limitation that you also have to process as a player which i also really like um, and in addition to that you have also cards that um, add an effect to an entire row for example so you you you, you created a chance um, or a possibility to to uh, target multiple uh, multiple cards um, based on the row that they are um, placed on. For example, you can have some kind of state effect. You can um, uh, one one lane could be could be burning so that each um, unit gains a damage per turn, or it could be um, could be rainy or whatsoever. So you have you have certain cards that um, um, yeah place a certain condition on an entire lane. Which also then uh, affects your decision process um, for your opponent. Um, do I want to deploy that character or that uh, that unit to my melee row, um, where it would would which is burning, where the unit would um, gain one damage per turn, or um, but I would maybe get um, the better the better um, yeah enter the battlefield effect by placing it on the melee ray, um, row. So that is. That are the kind of decisions that you have to make and um, yeah, they are interesting choices for the players. There's one more thing with regards to the lanes in the game because I know that during the Witcher 3 time while the Quent game was still a in-game mini-game um, the game had three lanes instead of two. There was a siege lane for each player in addition to the two others um, but they, it was removed in a big uh, remake when the game was made a standalone version and um, yeah i found different different uh, reasons for that in the internet so the first the first one that was mentioned was that they wanted to make the other two lanes more important and strategic though they were able to make more cards that yeah that had effects based on um, yeah which lane you place the cards to but um yeah, the most obvious reason that I found, and which I think is the most um, reliable one, is that they wanted to port the game to yeah to mobile devices, and with uh, six lanes um, for both players together, it was difficult to make the card art big enough um, on mobile devices. So the easiest way to uh, solve this situation was to remove a lane. So I do not know. In the end, what the real reason was to yeah to remove one of the lanes um, for each player, but um, um, as I only played the the version with two lanes, I can say that is quite fun, and I do not really know um, how it played out before the change. But I've seen a lot of people um, arguing that they really enjoyed the three lanes per player as well. The next interesting design choice I wanted to mention is how. Um, Quent handles the first player situation, first player problem, by um, yeah, giving them a first player emblem. Because of um, yeah, of the structure of the game, by presenting something in um, as a starting player first, and the other player having the chance to react on it, um, going first is not an advantage in Quent. That is different to to many other. Um, strategy card games where the first player often has an advantage because he for example is or she is the one that can attack first 
Um, but since there is no attacking in Quent, um, yeah, deploying your characters first on the board is kind of a disadvantage because the, the opponent is able to um, to react then on it and decide second whether um, whether he wants to pass um, or not. And so, um, yeah, the players who have to go first are kind of disadvantaged from a tactical um, perspective. Um, and that is why um, they are given um, a first player emblem, um, a so-called uh, stratagem, um, which is a yeah, it's a single-use um, card that is immune, so that uh, means the opponent cannot remove it. Um, and these, uh, this stratagem is a card that you um, yeah that that are I think there are different ones for each faction, um, and there are also some neutral ones, and they have a minor um, a minor effect they are different for each strategy um, and you include one of them one of them into your deck while deck building and when you then are the first player um, it is automatically um, put on the battlefield for you and you have a, a one-time a single use card um, with a minor effect that is banished um, from the game once you've used it um, and um, yeah for example, what these uh, what these cards do is um, you can increase the power of one of your cards by by three, or you can um, look at the top of um, of of your deck and look at three cards and um, yeah draw one of them and put another one from your from your hand um, yeah, into your graveyard or on, or on bottom of your deck, so that you get a little bit of card filtering. So it, all of those are not huge effects, but they help to balance the disadvantage that you have um, as a first player. And um, this is a problem that you have in many in many games, especially if, if they are one-on-one -on -one games, so two-player games. And um, yeah, if you have, um, you can find out if you have this problem by yeah by measuring the win rate of the players when you do play testing. Um, just make a little note um, who um, who went first. And um, at the end, you can track um, how often the the player who goes first wins and how often um, yeah the player who goes second wins. And if this is a problem for in your game as well, it might make sense to to add a little benefit here, um, like um, yeah drawing an additional card in the beginning, how some some um, games do it, or by adding some kind of um, emblem or stratagem, which I think is the better thing to do because um, yeah, it adds an additional interesting choice to the deck building part of the game um, or the deck construction part of the game where you um, yeah, can add the strategy that fits best to your um, to your strategy instead of a yeah a random card or so forever so because card advantage is really really one of the main um, ways of winning um, in Quent so an additional card would probably not have been an option, um, an option here because the advantage would be um, would be too big. Another interesting design choice is how they set up the game um, to minimize the role of luck. While yeah, matches still play out a little differently from match to match, there is way more consistency overall compared to other games of the same genre. And the reasons for that is that um, the card effects and special abilities are more or less deterministic. Um, though the result is 
that the cause of a match will generally be shaped by yeah by well planned actions um, and not so much by um, the luck of uh, drawing cards for example there is no top deck um, that often happens in other games in which you um, yeah um, the the card the last card in the game that you draw more or less decides if you win or not these kind of situations um, do not really come up in um, in quent However, in Quent players, yeah, still draw cards from yeah from their previously constructed decks, of course, and the decks are also shuffled, so there is luck in the game, um, and it's still a significant factor of the game. However, they have some yeah the design of the game has yeah, implemented some countermeasures that luck is too predominant, um, and the first one is uh, one that I already mentioned that the decks are relatively small with 25 cards. So it's more predictable what kind of cards you will see from the from the deck. Um, you will see, yeah, let's see, fifty percent of all the cards in your deck um, during a match, and um, yeah, you have a starting hand of ten cards, um, and you draw some additional cards during during the game, and you can even mulligan um, three cards, for example. So this can really help you to um, to thin your deck even more so that you can find the, the cards that you are looking for. And since you do not draw too many cards during the course of a game, that also means that the number of hidden information is, is reduced compared to um, other games in which you draw one or more cards per round. Um, but yet, it is still um, hidden information still is a part of the game, and that's a very important part of the game. And on top of that... Um, the deck can even be manipulated by yeah by several different card effects um, that allow players to yeah redraw cards or to resort cards um, um, or to remove them from the game by putting them on the discard pile, um, so that you can use special abilities to to put the cards back or resurrect them from the discard pile from the graveyard, um, and all of this um, leads to to more consistency, um, yeah. And that, um, as a result, players will usually be able to, um, yeah, to pursue the specific strategy um, their deck is built around, and that is something that is very satis- satisfying. So, if you uh, have a deck construction aspect um, in your game, and um, you want your players to to feel that the strategy that they um, had in mind while designing their deck, um, if you want them to to feel that this works. Um, I think Quent is a very good example um, to investigate further because um, they they have achieved this um, this goal very good. And the last point I wanted to talk about, um, which also is an interesting design choice, but um, yeah, maybe not a too innovative one because it's a well known and often implemented in different games, um, are the different factions in the game. Um, because each faction has its own identity, and I talked about that um, in other podcast episodes as well, um, because I think this is super, super important for a game. Um, and uh, these different identities really emerge through different archetypes, um, because they encourage different play styles. There's one archetype, for example, that um, yeah tries to discard a lot of their cards um, and you then use the graveyard as a possible win condition. 
or there is a um, another archetype that uh, tries to consume um, the creatures. That that means you need some you kind of uh, sacrifice them um, to get a benefit, and you always try to um, to sacrifice creatures with a death wish, a wish ability that then also triggers when the creature dies. Another faction then tries to generate points over time instead of um, yeah putting them on the um, on the battlefield um, as a fixed value. Um, so there are different um, different game styles implemented in these factions, and they can also be found in the different keywords of the game. And that is very interesting that the keywords really match the factions, and they. Um, also come only only come up in the different factions or um, you see them more in these factions and um, yeah that is something that i that i like in a for myself as a game designer that i'm i start with designing my my factions and then i decide which kind of play style i want to have with my faction and put the different keywords abilities effects um, on the for the i distribute them between the different factions um, and try to focus on them in that faction and um, yeah i think um, gwent is also a very good example um, in yeah in delivering different play styles for different factions okay that is um, pretty much everything i wanted to talk about um, with regards to gwent today i think it's a very well designed game and it um, yeah, it changes so much over time and um, if you look at the different changes that they have made for the game you can see that um yeah that this is a huge benefit for um of um yeah, digital card games because um they did not only change new cards that they that they released they also uh, made huge changes to almost all of the cards um from the from the base set from the beginning um, that is something that we can barely do with our um tabletop cards however um, I think there's a lot we can learn from from Quent, and if you are developing a game that goes into the same direction, um, I would um, strongly recommend to yeah to try it and um, just play a few rounds. And if you want me to yeah to analyze other games from a design perspective, um, please let me know what kind of games you yeah you want me to to analyze, and I will um, take them into consideration. You can um, yeah, contact me by going to the website um, nerdlikeaboss.com or find me on social media um, with the name or hashtag nerdlikeaboss. So until next week, keep shooting for the moon and nerd like a boss.